1: Reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look, delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. This
2: is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1
1: Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider, Matthew Collar here, and joining me, I think we qualify as old friends now, former NFL quarterback, and he also works for Pro Football Focus, the man behind the curtain
0: grading NFL throws for PFF, Bruce Gradkowski. What's up, Bruce? What's up, my man? I guess so, man. It's It's been a few years. You know, when we first met, so we are, we're we're friends, we keep in touch, you know, we talk football and film and cousins and quarterbacks and and all the above. You know, I just got done actually grade some college throws uh, from this weekend, so it's just exciting to know football's back, you know, and uh, it's going to keep us busy.
1: Well, I think we also have the Mac connection, because I used to cover the University of Buffalo as a reporter, so we kind of got that... Uh, that even though oh, yeah. there's, there's really no Mac this year, but, um, you know, we got that going for us as well. Uh, do people know that you're the one that's doing the grading? Uh, because it's always funny when I see it pop up when people criticize PFF grades and like, oh yeah, well, it's probably some guy who's never touched a football in his life.
0: Like, wow. <laughs> well, you know what? Like there's so many of us that go through the process. I mean, because we grade every player every play and every game so that you know in like every position right because every player and so there's so many people that are involved in this and i have so much respect of now working with pff and working for them and uh, working with our team there's so many good guys that they're just grinders man i mean they're they're like coaches or PFF, you know, they watch probably more film than coaches. They watch more games for sure than coaches because we're watching everyone in every game. And, you know, there's so many different checks and balances. Like my wife the other day, you know, I was telling her a story and, um, you know, I, I actually made a mistake, Matthew on on a grade. Right. Mm. So, um, the guy I kind of report to, Ben, he you know, he hits me up and he he's, you know, saying, Hey man, just, just so you know, you did this or that. So I'm telling my wife and she goes, wait a minute. So you're overseeing the grading, but he's overseeing you. And I'm like, yeah, there's so many different checks and balances that we all try to hold everyone accountable. And if there's a play I get to that with the quarterback grade where I'm like, okay, I see that throw. Yeah. The receiver, maybe was a little too deep. Uh, man did that defender get his hand in there Uh, but it was defensive pass interference and you know there's so many different nuances that go into just one grade and then I'll throw it into the chat with the rest of our graders and and we you know we find common ground on on what will give that exact play and grade so you know it's cool because it's not just one guy saying hey it's this and that's it I don't want to hear anything else from you it's a collaborative effort because it's tough, man. It, it's tough. You want to make sure we're we're doing this as accurate as we can and as fair as we can, you know, because look, guys, livelihoods for the NFL are on the line guys dream hopes and dreams are on the line for college. And there's a lot at, at stake. And we also want to give a great product to the fans. And I think that's important. And I do, I think we do a really good job because, because we work hard at it. And everyone, you know, makes mistakes, whatever your job is. But man, if you care, and you're working hard, you know, you're going to get past mistakes and move on. So uh, yeah, I'm just proud to be a part of it right now. So I, I want to know how hard this is for
1: you as a former NFL quarterback to be critical of some of the other quarterbacks, like giving a guy because I know it's on the on a, on a scale. So to really hammer somebody with a grade for a certain play, I mean, is that harder? Cause you're like, ah, I've done that myself. I understand how that <laughs> might work or, I mean, I mean, yeah. what, what, what has that been like for you to go through this? And, and then I'd also be curious about just what you've learned about quarterback play from grading every single throw.
0: Yeah. So I think, yeah, I mean, since I played the position, I can have some either sympathy or, on a play and say, no, no, that was harder than it looked, you know, with how that receiver ran it and with, with how the defense alignment got in his way and he couldn't really step into the throw. That was um, a more difficult throw uh, than you could imagine. And then on the other side, it's like, no, totally, you know, Baker Mayfield was hot on that play. He should have threw his hot. That's on him a hundred percent for taking that safety. And that was a specific play last year that happened. So Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, the experience helps. And, you know, I, look, man, I, I'm not trying to, you know, act like I, you know, I'm Tom Brady's Super Bowl champ, MVP and all that. But I, I do understand and know football and understand concepts and, and know the timing and rhythm that it takes to play the position and, and stuff like that. So you definitely try to be fair and also conscious of, you know, with my experience of being in it, it definitely hit, uh, has helped.
1: How would you feel if you were in the NFL and someone like you was grading you? I mean, cause I think of this all the time because now players get asked about, oh, well, you were the, this ranked quarterback or, or whatever else by PFF because, uh, You know, seven or eight years ago, there were only a handful of journalists using PFF grades. And now it's like everywhere that you see them, which I think is amazing for for PFF. And uh, even just having someone like you grading the quarterbacks really raises the profile. Um, But I wonder what you would have felt like if you had looked
0: back at a PFF grade and been like,
1: what? This guy gave me a 60 for that game? That,
0: well, honestly, Matthew, believe it or not, when I first started working for PFF, it was like last summer, before last football season. And uh, I'm in town in Cincinnati, and they have the the Steeler game from 09, the Raiders hmm. versus Steelers, when I mm-hmm. was the quarterback for the Raiders. And I was asking – so I could go back and see what they gave me on throws. And there was this one – that almost got intercepted, hit right off the DB's chest, and I was like, "Wait, what did you guys give me on that?" I was said, like, "Do you understand? This was a post route. And watch, my, <laughs> watch my receiver. He double dipped me. He went inside. You're always supposed to cross face uh, on the corner, and so I got to fix one of my grades. Oh, it or not. That? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome! Is that was that the game that you were really good in?" Yeah, yeah, that was probably my best game in the NFL in in '09. Uh, the Raiders, we went to play the Steelers at Heinz Field, and yeah, I threw for like 300 yards, three touchdowns. The last second touchdown pass with like 15 seconds remaining uh, to beat the Steelers. So that was pretty cool. Just you know, because I'm from Pittsburgh, and it was it was a moment that it, it was all coming together. And you know, believe it or not, the next week we're playing Wa- we're playing Washington and. uh I take a hit and I tear my left MCL and, you know, but I could still move. I could still walk. So I'm like, okay, so I keep playing. And then the second quarter, I tear my right MCL. So I tore both my MCLs in the same game. And then I go to the locker room and they, like, brace me up and take me up. I take, you know, whatever shots I need to. And I'm walking out of the locker room like, how the heck am I going to finish this game? And I remember Tom Cable, the head coach at the time, came up and he's like, what's up? And I was like, I tore both my MCLs. He's like, get out of here. You're done. Go sit on the bench. (laughs) And, uh, but it was kind of, yeah. So that kind of sums up my career. You know, I had some steam, I had some momentum. Then I dealt with a few injuries. And then even that off season, I was going to be the starter going into the next year. And I tore my left pec off the bone. So, you know, different like that, different things like that, you have to manage and overcome, uh, persevere. Like we're all going through different situations, our jobs, um, you know, things of that, family issues and stuff like that. You just have to find time to find ways to persevere and stay positive during difficult times.
1: Well, for one, just want to say that you know that this show has the greatest respect for journeyman quarterbacks. So, m- you know, much respect for your oh, yeah. career and, and <laughs> your journey that you went on. Um, and all those things sound horrible. T- torn MCLs and pecked muscles off the bone like – uh that's why, that's why you play in the NFL and I play golf badly on weekends because that's yeah. insane. And, of course, talent is also part of it. Um, but, you know, it, it is interesting that you bring that up because there's so many factors that go into uh, contextualizing a PFF grade. And, and I, I think about Kirk Cousins – in 2018 versus 2019, 2018 Kirk Cousins was in an offense that did not fit him with John De Filippo. He wanted to be out of the shotgun all the time, wanted to have three or four wide receivers all the time, and that was just not who Kirk Cousins is. And then Gary Kubiak and Kevin Stefanski implement a much more Shanahan-style, Kubiak-style offense, and it just worked perfectly for Kirk Cousins and you put out a video the other day about just how he was one of the top graded quarterbacks last year. What was the difference in your mind for why Kubiak's offense works so much better for Kirk Cousins?
0: Well, it's just, you know, it's friendly to the quarterback. I think the play action pass game, uh, it works well. You know, it's, it's, you know, I think Kirk Cousins can execute that like to perfection. If you look at Cousins grade last or yeah, this past year, you know, if you take out the week two game against the Packers, um, you know, Cousins was, his grade was in the 90s for us at PFF. And that's that was as good as any quarterback in the league overall last year. And, you know, if you look at Cousins' the last two years, he's had the same grade as Patrick Mahomes from a clean pocket. And a clean pocket from us is, you know, you're in timing and rhythm. There's no one around you. You can make the throw without any. Uh, you know, variation and people getting in your way or in, inhibiting you, and um, I, I thought that was a, a, impressive. And um, you know, so like Cousins is an impressive quarterback, and with with the way Gary Kubiak, his system works with the with the run game, the play action pass, and it just it marries all together the timing and rhythm that Kubiak brings to the offense. It just – man, it was – it's an offense I always dreamed of playing in. When Kubiak was in uh, Houston with Schaub all those years, I was like, man, you remember Schaub's like just rhythm and timing and lost the ball over the middle of the field. I mean, it was just perfect. So I think, you know, in just watching Cousins in this offense, that's why I have confidence that he's going to have another good season. I really believe it. And I think last year, too, getting over the hump, winning a playoff game, you know that that's you know that's important, and I think um, I think he's he's getting over that hump. A lot of people kind of probably want to yeah, any anything Cousins says they want to jump on him about, but man, it's not easy, you know. And if you look at Cousins over the years, he's handled some adversity, being in Washington with the franchise tag multiple years, and, and playing in a situation that you know the team's not really investing you t- for the long term, so you kind of have to play with those mental emotions, and then. Uh, you know, playing through that, still playing well, and then he gets a contract in Minnesota, and then everyone wants to bash him because, oh, he's making all this money. He should be this, this, and that. So I think, you know, for handling all that and where he's at, he does a really good job. Um, And now it's just can he get to that next level? Next level, you're talking about a Tom Brady, a Drew Brees, you know, Patrick Mahomes, guys that win Super Bowls and championships, and that's what I think we want to see.
1: Well, I, I think it's funny that you could have just ended at being in Washington is adversity on its own. <laughs> just having played for that Absolutely. franchise is kind of is something that guys have to overcome. Uh, now, I, I wonder what it is from a quarterback's eyes that you see that makes him so good with those play actions and with those bootlegs because it's something we talk about all the time. Kubiak putting these in and we saw a massive increase in his play action percentage. And and anybody who watched it last year just saw all the open space that is created schematically. But from the quarterback, like not everybody executes these at as high of a level as Kirk Cousins. And oftentimes, right. your buddies at PFF will say that you know, play-action you know, quarterback rating, for example, or grade is not repeatable. But for Kirk Cousins, it has been. For his whole career, he's one of the top play-action
0: quarterbacks. So why do you think that is? Uh, You know, play-action-pass, like a lot of people think quick game is the easiest. But if you're throwing a quick game, it's got to be – you have to make quick, decisive decisions. You have to be very reactionary and be able to to be decisive on on your read um, and be accurate in tight windows. When when you get to play-action-pass, now as a quarterback, especially for guys that aren't the biggest, like I was never the biggest guy. I mean, Cousins isn't – humongous. He's what, 6'2 or so. Um, so we're not 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six in the pocket. Sometimes with a play-action pass, you could get more depth in your drop and the field kind of opens up more. Now you're throwing passes in the 18 to 22-yard range where, you know, there's pockets in the defense and there's a lot more grass and room to work with because, you know, linebackers suck up on the on the run fake, and, and now you have that separation downfield. And you don't – it's not about arm strength. A lot of people think it's about arm strength, but it's not. It's about timing and rhythm and throwing the right trajectory of the ball over defenders. And, you know, Cousins does that better than anyone. Like, his intermediate passing from 10 to 19 yards is, is uh, you know, is really good. So – I think that you know when you get the play action pass, that's what helps. You know, I know that's why I think of Baker Mayfield this year. I think he's going to have a better year with mm-hmm. Kevin Stefanski there because he's going to implement more play action pass. And I remember that's that's where Mayfield plays pretty well at. During you know when he when he's able to operate from a play action pass type of offense.
1: Want to remind you to go to sodastick.com to get your original Minnesota sports inspired goods. They just launched their official collaboration with Bud Grant. Yes bud grant you can now get your official bud grant shirt and man cave art print if you haven't seen it yet you have to check it out and we're going to hook you up with free shipping for your order use code purple insider for free shipping that is soda stick s-o-t-a-s-t-i-c-k dot com original minnesota sports inspired goods code purple insider for free shipping I totally agree with Baker Mayfield and Kevin Stefanski that that Kubiak-style offense is built for somebody like him. Uh, let's talk about some of the downsides of Cousins because uh, your buddy Sam Monson was on the other day and he was saying that you know with Cousins the, the grades all match up and he's very very good and he's, he's got uh, you know great throwing ability and all that. But there's something missing there, and he kind of put it under the intangible category. Now, I think it's unfair that Cousins gets pinned with his Monday night football uh, record. Having seen a couple of those games, some were on Cousins, some were not on Cousins. Yeah. And you know, sometimes when he was in Washington, in fact, a lot of times when he was in Washington, he was the worst team that Washington was not on Monday Night Football or Sunday Night Football because of that team. It was because they were playing the Packers. And, you know, it's like you're, you're going – Aaron Rodgers is on Monday Night Football, and oh, yeah, here's the team he's playing against. Um, and so a lot of times Cousins played well on national TV, and it just wasn't really uh, his fault that they lost. But, you know, at the same time, there is – a, a gap there. You mentioned like the clean pocket grade, and and how when everything is on rhythm and working, that he's great. But there are other times where Vikings fans will will say, in the first quarter, uh oh, this is gonna be a this is gonna be a bad day for him if he checks down to C.J. Ham three times in a row on the first drive. This is not gonna be a good day for Cousins. And I, there seems to be an extra gear that he doesn't get to, and I don't know if that's a good way to describe it.
0: Well, I, I don't know if I necessarily would look at, like, if he starts the game checking the ball down. Because, honestly, as a quarterback, I would love to get completions early. You want to get into, like, a little rhythm. And maybe it's not the prettiest or you're not gaining the most yards. But sometimes as a quarterback, if you could just get some completions, now you feel the momentum, right? Now you're comp- get ga- Okay, now let me take those shots downfield. So I don't necessarily look at that. I just think, look, it's tough. It's tough to be consistently good week in and week out, you know, and year in and year out. That's why Drew Brees, Tom Brady, those guys are on a pedestal, you know, because of, you know, how consistent they've been good throughout their whole career, 20-some years in the NFL. Um, and I think with Cousins, like, yeah, like people want to look at his primetime football stats, like, and, you know, his win-loss record. And it just kind of stinks sometimes as a quarterback because, it's going to get put on us. You know, at the end of the day, win or lose, it's going to get put on the quarterback. So sometimes the quarterbacks get more recognition than maybe they deserve. Uh, And other times they get hammered um, Mm -hmm. because of the loss that they probably don't deserve. So it just comes with playing the position. And I think, you know, when people, you know, think of Kirk Cousins and they, they think of the contracts and stuff like that, now they want to say, live up to that, you know, win a Super Bowl, take them to the next level. And I also think with the Vikings being so close before they signed Cousins, and it was almost like Cousins was the signing to get them there, um, you know, that's that's why there's there's so many eyeballs on it, you know, because, you know, can he get – but but I just keep looking back that, man, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to win in this league, and especially year in and year out, and to win a Super Bowl. So, I mean, even Patrick Mahomes, the year he had, I mean, last year winning a Super Bowl, but the previous year MVP and and all the touchdowns, it's hard to duplicate, right? Like last year he won the Super Bowl, but he didn't have the same statistical year that he did prior. So it's hard to replicate those years, um, and you just got to find a way. And sometimes it's just, you know, tucking the ball down and running on third and five and pick up the first down like Mahomes did throughout the playoffs last year a few times um so those are the things but it's, it's tough playing that position you're going to get a lot of heat you know if you do lose some games
1: well so uh, on the point about checking down to cj ham i i just mean that because of course you're right to get in, uh, the offense in rhythm and going i i just mean that there are times where cousins kind of has a little bit of a deer in the headlights look to him and i know you've seen this because you've watched every play there, there's yeah. just this like uh, I'll give you an example, and maybe you remember it. The start of the game in Kansas City when Matt Moore and uh, the Chiefs beat the Vikings there, there was just – he kind of you know, threw a ball short to Adam Thielen, which he normally wouldn't do and Thielen was wide open. And there was just a little bit of, like from the very start, oh, this kind of looks like it's going to be an issue. And then you know, there seems to be a specific sort of kryptonite that teams can find against Cousins. And, I mean, I agree on all of your points about how, how much pressure is on him, how if this was another team, if he had been playing for Jacksonville with no expectations and won 19 games over the last two years, Uh, you know, then you would look at it like, oh, wow, okay, Cousins must be doing really well down there. But the contract, the team that he joined, it all put him under a a kind of a spotlight. But I wonder where you think – that he could be even better to get them to that place that they want to go because this is not Jacksonville or Washington. This is a very stable franchise with a front office that has continually given him lots to work with. Even they trade Stephon Diggs and still have a very good group of weapons. I mean, so I I guess I I look at it as what is that next step?
0: Yeah, I think, well, you pointed out, It, it is. It's a fantastic organization from top down. I'm a huge Mike Zimmer fan. I think he does an amazing job, you know, because I was with him in Cincinnati. So I worked up and close, close and personal with him. I ran the scout team offense versus his starting defense. So, of course, I was out there always talking crap every day and <laughs> trying to get his guys to jump off sides to get him all mad and cuss me out. And But we had a lot of good competitive battles and a lot of respect for one another. And, you know, Zimmer just wants you to go to work. He wants you to work hard. He wants you to understand what to do and be detailed about it and be a professional. And, you know, and Cousins is all that, you know, and now to take the next step. Yes, you know, we'll see if, if Justin Jefferson can step up and bring what we think he can. You know, Adam Thielen, we know what he could do. Um, Dalvin Cook with, you know, what he brings. And, and defensively, I mean, I think they need to step up. We'll see if the young corners can step up. But, um, you know, I think just like all of us, I think at times, you know, I've been around guys when I was backing up Big Ben in Pittsburgh. And the difference between, like, Big Ben and myself, for instance, was Ben would throw a couple interceptions in a game, and he would not – it would – it would seem like it didn't even bug him at all. Like <laughs> yeah. he wouldn't even think twice about it. And I had, a, you know, playing the quarterback position, you do have to have a short-term memory, you have to move on and get to the next play and forget about it. And I was good with that. But I also, like when I had time to think about it, I would beat myself up about every throw. Mm-hmm. And I think the great quarterbacks, you could beat yourself up, but you got to move on. And, you know, there's something about, just knowing you're the guy and knowing you're going to find a way. Like, I think the reason Ben was so confident and maybe didn't – I don't want to say care uh, when he threw an interception, but he was able to move on fast is because Ben knew, just get me the ball again and I will make those plays. Mm-hmm. I will make – I will throw for six touchdowns in the game. I threw three interceptions. And then the three interceptions don't look like anything. You know, so it's knowing that you have the confidence that – Just give me me the ball right back, and and, and I'll show you. I can make plays. So it's just having that mindset. And I think with Kirk Cousins, it is. It's just having that confidence that, look, you are one of the top QBs in the league. Now it's time to just, you know, don't be so hard on yourself, you know, because there's going to be ebbs and flow throughout a game, throughout a season. And I think that's what he handled well last year. You know, the week two against the Packers, it wasn't a very good game. But he bounced back there's a lot of heat on the Vikings early on last season and look at how they finished so it's battling those times and I think with that playoff win that's one more notch to the belt that gives cousins more of the confidence to say look okay we we could do this now now let's so it it's more maybe a individual type goals and overcoming some things throughout your career and I think cousins has kind of hit those throughout his path and now I think this is going to be a big year of what we see from Cousins
1: yeah I think that that's a a great way to put it and um, I I was talking to George Iloka about this the same thing I asked him what is it when a quarterback has the kind of it factor that makes it so hard on a defense, he said that he used the same exact example with Roethlisberger. He said, no matter how many times we hit him, no matter how many times we picked him off or whatever, he would just keep coming. He would never kind of back off or slow down, or he would always just have the next throw ready. And I I don't know that that's really been the case with cousins. It's almost like if a team can kind of get to him, then it's going to be a long day. For him, Uh, you know, he had the comeback against Denver, but Denver's a bad team. They didn't pressure him at all in that game. I think six pressures and 40 dropbacks. So it's when teams are hitting you um, that that's when you see Cousins not perform as well, which I know is the case for a lot of quarterbacks. But I think specifically with him, which is this is what worries me about this offense. uh, Bruce is left guard, right guard. And center, and uh, you know, yeah. there's only so much with scheme that you can do. So when we're trying to figure out how good will the Vikings be, I think that their one failing as a front office is not giving people right in front, of a good like good big giant fat people right in front of Cousins <laughs> that, that that can you know go against the 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 tough guys of the NFC North. I think that that is where they have made their biggest mistake is they've given him weapons and they've given him money, but they haven't given him guards. <laughs> yeah
0: well you know it's tough too because college football is different now you know there's a lot of rpos and mm-hmm. a lot of spread offenses so it's it's different you know pass protections and so forth so you know you you can hit on guys and there's other guys mentioned that you're like man i thought this guy was going to be good uh when you when you talk about out front offense line defense line and I just think, too, it's, you know, it's in games. Like, I, I you know, we talked about my Steeler game in 09 when I was with the Raiders playing the Steelers, and it was one of the best games in my career now because I handled that game, uh, the adversity that came with it. There's ups and downs. There was injuries to, to our, our offensive line, and you just take it as it comes. Now, where I think back of, you know, where I could have gotten better in my career isn't I could handle a game, but could I handle, you know, multiple seasons in a row of handling the ups and downs of mm-hmm. are you the guy? Are you not? Should you be starting? Should they cut you? Should they pay you? Should they, you know, trade you? All all these things of being able to handle that and staying consistent. And I think Cousins does a pretty good job at that. And then it goes, you know, then we talk about, you know, teams getting pressure on them and hitting them. Now that's, now that's more in-game, a more in-game conscious awareness to say, right. okay, I'm getting the crap beat out of me right now. We're not protecting well. What can I do in my game to help the offense line? Mm-hmm. What what can Kubiak – and this is where Kubiak will come in and play a big role is what kind of plays can he call screens to running back, to the wide receivers, uh, play action pass, you know, uh, uh, the running game, and get that going that could take pressure off or help the offense line in moments where they're struggling and make in-game adjustments. So there's so much that goes into it and plays a part of when and why the quarterback will will be successful. Okay, Bruce, before we wrap up, uh, we have
1: a tradition on the show of doing pie charts. You are familiar with pie charts, are you not? Okay, you know what that is. uh, (laughs) So uh, here's what I want you to, to give me a pie chart percentage chance that Kirk Cousins grades as a top five quarterback, Mm, a fifth to 10th, 10th to 15th, or uh, bottom half of the league, or 15th or beyond. So percentage, you know how pie chart works. So you assign a percentage, you have to add up to 100. So percentage chance he ends up as a top five, top 10, top 15, or below top 15 quarterback in 2021.
0: All right, so – I probably won't be good with, like, maybe the math right now. (laughs) Everyone messes it up, so it's okay. So um, so let's go the first – let's go the top – let's go the top one to five. I'm going to say if he – you know, is he going to be a top one to five guy? I'm going to say the chance of him getting that is – 30 percent okay that's a good number the chance of him being
1: <laughs> are, are you doing it in your head have you made like a have you, you got a, have you yeah, drawn just... a circle
0: on a piece of paper what <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i'm just well i could yeah i could do that so draw, draw a circle so i got 30 30 <laughs> percent love the pie chart is uh is him being a top five all right 70 gonna... percent left
1: to work with i'll help you out here
0: right and i'm gonna go uh I'm going to go 60, I'm going to go 65%. He's top 10.
1: Wow. Okay. So,
0: yeah.
1: all right. So, or, wait, are you adding the 30 and
0: 35? Yeah, so now, okay. Now we so got now you have 5%.
1: 35 left to work with?
0: No. So, I'm, wait, I got 5%, right, to work with. Oh, so okay. To... So,
1: oh, I see. You, you mean, at, all right, I got you. I wasn't so, sure. So,
0: all right. Yeah. So I'm saying, like, I believe 65%. That he's going to be a top ten quarterback. Okay, I, see. I believe there's a thirty percent chance he's going to be a top five. I got, you. and then and then above all that, and I think maybe you wanted me to have two more breakdowns, but I think talking about above the top ten, I'd say there's five percent. So wow. Okay, I I, I that's, just uh, I, I
1: that's believe... a little bit hot take pie chart, Bruce. Only five percent chance that he's outside the top ten.
0: Yeah, I think so. Wow. I think so. I'm okay. going to do it. Yeah. That
1: be, I mean, if we're talking about that, I think we're talking about a great year for the Vikings then.
0: So you need to, yeah, keep this in your record books. Oh, yeah, we'll have it. We'll have it for sure. Let's talk now at he, the end of the season. And he, has
1: been, he has been like right on 10th a couple times in his career, and he has been outside of the top 10 I think twice as a starter. So you're really buying into Kubiak, the weapons. You're buying into his progression as a quarterback. That's good. This is why we do the the pie chart, Bruce.
0: That's it, brother. You know, and, and I wanna say, you know, let's be clear. So if he's tenth, that counts as yes, in it counts the top as top ten. 10. Yes. yes. Okay.
1: okay. See, initially cool. I thought you were going like thirty and then thirty five percent, so sixty five percent and then thirty five, he was outside of the top ten. And no. then and I thought, okay, all right, that's that sounds about right, but you decided to turn the heat up to eleven here on this I, show. I
0: turned it up, man, because, look, (laughs) I just think with Kubiak right now um, running this offense, too, I just, yeah. All right. Yeah, he's going to be a top ten guy. That's great. Uh, So you can follow Bruce on Twitter
1: at bgradkowski5. Uh, it's really cool to see, Bruce, because like, when we first started talking, you were kind of just a little post-career, and you were trying to figure out, should I be a podcaster or what should I do? And uh, now you're working with PFF, and it's very, very cool to see. You were also on the PFF Forecast podcast not too long ago. Great, great conversation about you going back and regrading Russell Wilson, which was super interesting to listen to. So it's fun to see for me, Bruce, and I love getting together with you, man. Let's do it again.
0: Heck yeah, brothers. Thanks for having me on.
1: Get back to the conversation in just a minute. But first, you've always counted on restaurants, and now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. You open the DoorDash app Choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely at your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your local restaurants also are still open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees for your first order. When you download the DoorDash app, at the App Store and enter the code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFL NFLSundayTicket.tv. You can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite team and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFL NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFL NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. All right, we welcome in my friend Rami Maklov, who, by the way, has been a trader recently and has been hosting in Milwaukee uh, to help preview this Vikings and Packers game with some serious hot routes. What is going on, Rami?
2: Just behind enemy lines, Collar. I'm just here for recon. I'm just <laughs> gathering info. I'll bring it back to you anytime you ask, man. I'm just here to gather the info for you. Uh,
1: have you learned the names of their current receivers that aren't Devontae Adams while you've been hosting?
2: Uh, no, there's
1: there's two guys, I think, with
2: three names. There's uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and there's uh, Equinemius St. Brown. Well, that's not technically three names, but it's, it's almost three names. Equinemius St. Brown. Those are some names, dude. Like, I don't... And, and those guys got drafted right before I left for Minnesota, and both have like a lot of physical abilities, and that's why they got drafted or whatever. If they can just be as good as their names at playing football, they, the Packers have something there in their wide receiver core because those are those are regal names
1: for wide receivers. Seems unlikely that they'll meet their <laughs> uh, name potential. Uh, well, Aaron Nagler was on the show the other day, and he Love Aaron said, and he said, "Oh, I, I'm really interested to see oh. what uh, Tyler Irvin does." I was like, "Yes." I too know who Tyler Irvin is and, and, you know, <laughs> like like go off the board, man. Like who is that? Uh so, I, was, I was surprised they cut fan favorite
2: uh Jake Kumaro.
1: Yeah, right. Uh i don't <laughs> I if a Wisconsin he, team has a chance to have a gritty wide receiver like that, uh, you mean white. Right. You're be, saying gritty, but I you mean saying, you yeah. mean
2: wide. It's true, it's true. Packer Nation loves their wide receivers. <laughs> like Jordy <laughs> Nelson, Jordy Nelson being the premier wide receiver of the Green Bay Packers was like Mwah, chef's kiss.
1: But how
2: about, like, how about, like, Bill Schrader
1: years ago, right? They've always had that one guy. Uh, Nelson was just different because he was really super good, but they've always had that, like, fourth or fifth wide receiver who's a special teamer or something and is a white guy. So Oh, I'm
2: trying to remember. who They had a guy a few years ago who was just not, not a good wide receiver. Um, But he was really good on special teams. But everybody wanted him to be Aaron Rodgers' favorite wide receiver. I can't right. think his Name right now. Was oh a, man! There
1: was a guy who caught like one or two passes for them, and it was one of them was like a really important, and he was a white yeah, special ca- teamer. It was a hail mary. Was it was a
2: hail mary in Detroit. You know what? While we're talking, I'm going to Google. Uh, Packers, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try
1: and see white, if I can find receiver. This. <laughs> 2000. It must have been like 2017. <laughs> Jeff Janis. Yes, Jeff Janis. That's Janice right. What's the dude? Let's see what Jeff Janice's career looks like. Seventeen really receptions, 200 teamer. yards.
2: That's. I mean, he's not a good receiver, but he, he was actually a really good special teamer.
1: Okay. Was it in the playoffs that he caught that Hail Mary? It was either in the playoffs or a game to get him into the oh, playoffs. Yes. Okay. So uh, in 2015, he had... Seven catches for 145 yards in the playoffs <laughs> and became a Packer legend and two touchdowns. Oh my gosh! Whoa. So he had he had 17 regular season receptions and seven in one playoff run. Okay, much respect to Jeff Janis. And like, I can't tell you how out many, Jeff Janus. I can't tell you how
2: many calls I got because I was working in Milwaukee at the time. Collar up. Why aren't they using Janice? <laughs> this guy is huge. He can run, and he also doesn't know routes and can't catch the football. That's 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 a problem at wide receiver.
1: Yeah. Well, now they have that for all their other wide receivers, <laughs> other than uh, Devontae Adams. So. <laughs> all right. Well, let's let's get into these hot routes, uh, Rami. And for anyone not familiar with the hot routes, I have five questions. Uh, Usually they're based on the day's headlines, but in this case, they are based entirely on Vikings and Packers, and they go a little bit off the board from your usual how is the slot receiver versus nickel corner matchup for this week. So the first question I have for you, Rami, hold on. I've got to mess with my computer. Okay, here we go. Is which of these two teams, the Vikings or Packers, will win more football games over the next five years?
2: That's a, you know that's a borderline impossible question to answer. Like The NFL is so so inconsistent and up and down and unpredictable, and, and both those teams' QB situation is kind of up in the air as far as the immediate future, the next one or two years. So it's the only way that I can answer that question is to look at the last two or three drafts of these two teams – and and stay which one I think has had better drafts, and that's been the Vikings. I mean, last year they got three or four guys out of that draft class who immediately came in and contributed right away, and I really like what they did with this year's draft class. So the last two or three years, I think the Vikings have have won the draft versus what the Green Bay Packers have done, and that's really all you have to go on if you're asking me which one of these teams is going to win more games for the next five years. If I was sure Aaron Rodgers was going to be, you know, Aaron Rodgers and was going to be the Packers quarterback for the next 5 years. I'd say the Packers cuz that dude when he's at the top of his game, he's 10 wins alone. You know what I mean? But none of neither of those things are necessarily foregone conclusions. We don't know that Rodgers will get back to that level, and we don't know even if he does if he'll be a Packer for very long cuz they just traded up to get his replacement. So With that up in the air and the Vikings QB situation to some extent up in the air after the next two years, it's really hard to say, I'm going to go on the draft classes and say the Vikings.
1: I like the question because of the uncertainty with the quarterbacks. I mean, you could very well see Jordan Love just be awful in practice and then they give him a chance next year in the preseason if they keep Rodgers around and he's still really, really bad. And it ends up being a Brian Brom situation where they drafted a guy and everybody talked about it and it meant absolutely nothing. Right. This is this has happened before. And really, the history of late first round picks, there aren't that many great quarterbacks who come from late in the first round. Rodgers would be one of them. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, I think, falls into the category of at least an NFL starting quarterback. But you have many more like Johnny Manziels that come from the end of the first round that turn out Brandon Whedon's that turned out to be just about nothing and so I wouldn't be shocked if that happened and Rodgers continued to be good for the next couple of years with maybe some steady decline Uh, but I also wouldn't be surprised if after this year they just traded Rodgers to Buffalo or something right right yeah makes it really hard to predict for them the Vikings I think will have Kirk Cousins for three years and they will be eight, nine, ten win teams for each season. So do you value the stability of that versus the potential high end if Jordan Love is really good? I don't think he's going to be, but it's possible that he is. I would still say the Vikings as well because I think that their front office has a better idea of what they're doing. I'm not even sure that Matt LaFleur will be the coach going forward if they have a bad year this year and then he ends up on the hot seat. It's I think that there's a lot more variance when it comes to what the Packers could be over the next few years than the Vikings, who have just built a very, very stable roster and stable situation. So unless you think this year the Packers win 13 again – um, I would probably go with the Vikings as well. But, yes, it's intentionally designed to not have a great answer. <laughs>
2: <laughs> when, yeah. you talk, when you talk about the future of Jordan Love, though, and I, I see everything you see, all the signs that point to him maybe not being that great and that being a questionable decision to do what they did. You know, Collar, and I'm sitting here. People can't see the video. We're recording this via Zoom, but you're only using the audio. I sit here with a Bears hat on and a portrait of Walter Payton over my left shoulder. I'm born and raised Chicago Bears fan. I'm terrified that Jordan Love is just the next coming because my whole whole life basically has been Hall of Fame quarterbacks beating up on my football team. And I know Vikings fans who are listening to you right now have that same trauma. And even if it doesn't really look like Jordan Love will be that great at this point – You just kind of go, yeah, but he probably will be, because that's that's been our life in the (laughs) NFC North of just getting beat up by Hall of Fame Packers quarterbacks.
1: It it most certainly has. With Jordan Love, though, and and maybe you should never be this confident that something isn't going to work out, but the history of the league when you draft guys, or at least the last 20, 30 years, if you draft guys who weren't good in college, it's just going to be really hard to convince me they'll be good in the NFL.
2: Right. No, I get it.
1: I mean, that'd be like drafting a basketball player at the top who scored six points a game in college. Like, yeah, is it possible the guy becomes good? Yeah, but shouldn't he be scoring for North Carolina or whatever? It's just like a sort of remove all of the, well, he's got this tool and that tool and whatever, and, and just pull back and say, why wasn't he that good at Utah State? Why was he like the fifth or sixth best quarterback in his own conference? If you're going to tell me that he's going to be the next Aaron Rodgers, uh, so yeah, I, I'm I'm really not confident in that situation working out. But I also think he'll be better than most Bears quarterbacks have ever been. So thank you. Uh, there is that. I appreciate the, that. The the, uh, the speaking of quarterbacks, I want you to tell me which list is better. The if we we're taking like a top three or four, the Packers backup quarterbacks under Brett Favre or the Vikings all-time quarterback list. And if you just went, huh, what? Here's a couple of backup quarterbacks. Give me, give me some names. Get the, get Kurt Warner okay. was a backup under Favre. He was pretty good. Mark Brunel. And Matt Hasselback were all backup quarterbacks under Favre. And if you compare that to the Vikings' all time list, so of course, Fran Tarkenton, but you have a Hall of Famer there. Kurt Warner's a Hall of Famer. So they kind of cancel each other out.
2: Excuse me. You left out Jim McMahon. I just have to point out. You left left out the punky QB. But
1: but that one's equal because he played for both teams. So they both get credit for having the coolest quarterback of all time, Jim McMahon. (laughs) Um, I think that the Packers backups under Favre have a better list potentially than the rest of Vikings quarterbacks. If if you think of Kirk Cousins as kind of a Mark Brunel, then I'm not is Brad Johnson your Matt Hasselbeck?
2: Yeah, I mean if anything it's 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 a watch. I mean it's it's pretty damn close. Like you, after Fran Tarkenton, you're right. It's like a it's like a bunch of dudes who could very well have been Brett Favre's backup. Like if you look at their production and what they went on to do with their careers, it's it's very. I think it's I think it's even. Uh, Fran Tarkenton might give the Vikings all-time quarterbacks the edge, but if you remove him from the equation, I think it's probably a wash and it's even between the all-time great Vikings quarterbacks and Packers backups.
1: It, it depends on whether you think of this as a technicality or not. Aaron Rodgers was a Brett Favre backup for several years. Oh yeah, you know so, what? that's true. Considering he wasn't like a number one overall pick, he was still no. You're in the ballpark right. Park of a Jordan Love. No, ap- I don't even think you know it's so close if we include it not Aaron Rodgers. Even- it's
2: not even close because if I'm going to include Fran Tarkenton, you have to include Aaron Rodgers, and it's and Aaron Rodgers. I know we're talking to Vikings fans right now, and I don't know if they want to admit this or not. He was better than Fran Tarkenton. Um, so yeah, no, I think Packers backups. Take it. I I left Aaron Rodgers out of the equation. That's a great point.
1: There's another Aaron also that was a Fav backup who turned out to have a pretty good career. And maybe in today's NFL would have been great. Aaron Brooks is another guy. And That's then you've true. got then you've got some gems. You've got like, of course, Doug Peterson, his golfing buddy, uh the magic man Dom Majowski, um, Steve Bono was a backup of his. I mean, you just what a what a great Holy crew crap. of backup That's amazing, quarterbacks. Dude. Behind, but if, if we, I think even if you don't include Aaron Rodgers and you do include Aaron Brooks, like who is the comparable Aaron Brooks? Maybe it's Cunningham because Brooks was only briefly awesome, right? And Cunningham was only briefly awesome as a Viking. But I just, I love no. It's not about even,
2: dude. After you, after he you filled out guys. this list, and especially throwing Aaron Rodgers in there, it's it's really it's it's, it's now it's not even close. Like you've you. Increase the gap between Packers backups and all time great Vikings quarterbacks.
1: Like, think about how many better backup quarterbacks Favre alone had than the Chicago Bears have had. What? It's not (laughs) what I came here for today. It's not what I came here for today. Incredible. It's incredible. I mean, Mark Brunel would be the best Bears quarterback of all time, not Sid Luckman.
2: Probably. I, I won't even
1: argue that amazing all right next question for you Rami Uh, if you had one million dollars or you had to play for a a football game for one million dollars would you rather pick the location as Lambeau Field or U.S. Bank Stadium for you to be the the home team hold
2: on I'm not sure I totally
1: understand this Okay, sorry. I I made that more convoluted than it (laughs) needs to be. So you're playing a football game for $1 million, your team versus Squad X, okay? Okay. And they say, oh, you won the coin flip. You can pick the location. It's either between Lambeau Field or U.S. Bank Stadium, and you get the home crowd cheering for you. So
2: I'm. Which one gives me the better home field
1: advantage? Correct. Oh, it's That's not even a round, it's, roundabout way of asking it.
2: It's not even close, and it, and it's I've, I haven't been to US Bank Stadium. I've been to Lambeau, but I've I've heard both watching them on TV or listening on the radio, and US Bank Stadium gets much 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 louder than Lambeau Field. I mean, part of it is that they put a roof on it, huh? and part and and part of it is just that. Is, is all the sound that they pump in through the sound system in U.S. Bank Stadium. They don't really do that in Lambeau Field. It's more of like that old school experience. They have some newer, more modern elements to the in-game production, but it is nowhere near the horns and the drums. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that they've been pumping in crowd noise. I think every team that has an indoor stadium probably pumps in a little crowd noise to make it difficult on the opposing offense. Just – Just the elements that come with it. I think U.S. Bank Stadium is a much greater home field advantage. And if you want to talk about the weather and and those types of elements, Aaron Rodgers does not do well in cold weather. Aaron Rodgers does much better in Dome Stadium. He does much better. He has a great track record in the state of California where he's from. So I don't even know that weather necessarily would give the Packers or give that a greater home field advantage than it would to U.S. Bank Stadium.
1: I would also pick US Bank Stadium because I've never heard any place louder aside from maybe the Superdome. The Superdome, you like when I covered the playoff game there this last year. I left exhausted from the noise. Like me, a reporter, (laughs) sitting in the press box watching the game. Like I cannot imagine the toll that that takes on you as a player going through that. And I think U.S. Bank Stadium is right up there with the Superdome. And you mentioned there's some more modern elements to the uh, U.S. Bank Stadium than there is the Superdome. It's got to be top three in terms of the loudest. The only thing that I was going to bring up... Foreign advantage is the aura of Lambeau Field. I think matters that that it, it is intimidating. I mean, it is a palace of football, and walking out there, you've got to have that feeling. And for the Vikings, it probably doesn't make any difference at this point. But for other teams, if you're playing your first game there, you've got to walk out and be like, "Wow." this is Lambeau field. Like this is the most football-y football thing that could ever happen. And there's some intimidation factor there. But usually I think Lambeau field's biggest advantage has usually just been the quarterback on the other side. It's it's been Brett. Farve or Aaron Rodgers or Bart Starr, and, and I think that that gives them a bigger advantage. Where I where the U.S. Bank Stadium, it legitimately helps the Vikings' defense be better at football, and I, I think that that matters.
2: Also, have you ever have you ever gone to Lambeau and just sat in the seats, not gone and covered a game? No, there I, in the I haven't box? gone in
1: the seats. Okay. I've only been in the I, press box.
2: Don't take I, Packers fans might listen to this because I'm a big deal in Wisconsin, but so oh, don't take sure. this the wrong way. I'm not saying that Packers fans are like passive in in any way, or they don't care about the game. This is a, this is a compliment. They're super nice. <laughs> like they're really, really. I can give you two stories. One a friend of mine, or one me in particular. My friend was there for the um, for the TO catch at, at Lambeau, the big, the the historic mm-hmm. TO catch. And before that, before TO made that catch for the 49ers to win that game. The Packers had scored a long touchdown, and my buddy is a 49ers fan who was at Lambeau watching the game, and he just, like, slumped in his seat. He just fell in his seat when the, when the Packers took the lead late, and an older lady sitting next to him started patting him on the <laughs> Packers fan, lady, started patting him on the back and telling him, it'll be all right. <laughs> My only time ever going to Lambeau, I got a chance to go and uh, – I had, like, luxury suite tickets, which also includes – you can go up to – they have a balcony mm-hmm. on the north over – that, like, hangs over the north end zone, and it's an amazing view, dude. It's You can see, like, half of Wisconsin from there, and you have, like, a bird's-eye view of the field. It's crazy. Um, but so we went up there and it's kind of crowded. So, and there's only so much like rail space where your front row, so to speak, to look down over the balcony and I'm wearing full bears gear. It's Packers bears. I'm wearing full bears gear. And this lady, she's like, Oh, you want, do you want a better view here? Come in? I'll, I'll back <laughs> up here. You can, you can take my spot. Like they're, they're super, super nice. And so I don't think it's as intimidating as some other, I've never been to US Bank stadium, so I don't know if they're like throwing beers or doing worse things than that to the to the players. But I I think Lambo is less intimidating than other places because People are just so damn nice there. It's crazy.
1: I think that U.S. Bank Stadium is purely on being insanely loud, not being raucous, because having been in Philadelphia for the playoff game against the Vikings, that is raucous. Uh, that is dangerous level raucous. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, So you know, that, that's a different level of home field advantage where you scare all the other fans uh, from even traveling to Philadelphia ever again I think so Yeah I don't think Packers fans have ever scared anybody at least not not in the last no, 20 years or so And I, and I respect this a lot like uh, usually places like Buffalo and Philadelphia that get legit dangerous outside of the stadiums get the, like, yeah, that's the real football fans. I'm like, this is not that serious. Yeah, really. You shouldn't be harming other people. Just wear clothes. I mean, like... Did I you mean, just throw that guy through a table? What right, is happening? Love, love your team, but don't threaten anyone else. I mean, my gosh. Uh, so, yeah, the, um, the outside of Lambeau walking in, or the outside of US Bank Stadium is, it's a very nice atmosphere, and I can respect that i think more
2: than one that's i forgot
1: i was tailgating and i I had some some
2: brats that i was gonna i was gonna cook up and my my grill wouldn't start up and again i'm in head-to-toe bears gear the dude's tailgating next to me they're like hey uh here take these they just gave me a bunch of cooked brats and i gave them i gave them the raw ones that i hadn't cooked yet like i didn't even ask they just offered they saw we were having difficulties and just offered to a bears fan here, take our cooked bratwurst. Give us your raw ones that you can't cook. You idiot who didn't come with the grill that works.
1: <laughs> well, uh, so yeah, I agree that that's a much better atmosphere Super to enjoy nice. sports than uh, nice maybe, maybe that makes me not football enough. I don't know. Uh, here, here's your here's your next question. Your favorite well, Vikings Packers game can be any time that uh, you've watched any Packers Vikings game. Nineties, two thousands, recent. Which one? Okay.
2: You're going to be mad at my answer because it's not technically a Packers-Vikings game, but it's a, it's a Packers-Vikings moment. Okay, you know all one,
1: right, that's fine. I don't, yeah, that's
2: fine. I don't remember the exact year, but it was it was still, it was week 17, and the Packers or the Vikings were going to the playoffs. The Vikings just needed either a Packers loss or they needed to win their game in Arizona to go to the playoffs. You have that encyclopedic memory. Maybe you can tell me what year this is. And um, the, the Packers had the noon game. They won. So the Vikings had to win the 3 o'clock game in the afternoon to claim their playoff spot and move on. And I want to say it was Josh McCown, it was, your, yep. your favorite quarterback. To Nate Poole, yep. Threw a touchdown to Nate Poole to end the Viking season and put the Packers in the play. And I hate the Packers, but just that that type of drama, dude, that a last-second touchdown – From Josh McCown, of all people, to Nate Poole to to knock the Vikings out of the playoffs. That was, that was, that's, that's, I don't know why, but that's like an NFL moment that stays with me for some reason. Even though I hate the Packers, it's just that type of drama and that much on the line. And for it to come down to that was amazing.
1: And the Vikings should have been a great team that year. I think they started out six and one or five and zero or something like that. Um, that is absolutely cheating on this question. Though. <laughs> the question is best Vikings Packers game, so you're gonna have to submit another answer. I'll give you mine. All right. Mine is uh, my first regular season game covering the Vikings at US Bank Stadium. I had covered a preseason game before that after I moved here in 2016. But you know, I mean it's a preseason. It was the fourth preseason game of all things, so it just couldn't have mattered any less. And there was all the drama with Teddy Bridgewater and what was going to happen. And I don't remember anything except for Jared Goff playing in the in the fourth preseason game, which I found to be bizarre. But then then talk about the noise level the atmosphere it was national tv sam bradford put on a tremendous performance and he made a number of throws that were just like mind-blowingly accurate throws the catch that Stephon Diggs made around the middle of the field on uh, off a play action throw from uh, Bradford. I mean, it all just and the end of the game. It ends with the Rodgers interception and the noise level of that place just blew the roof off. And uh, it was nothing like I'd ever covered before. It, and the place was especially ramped up for being the very first game ever at US Bank Stadium, and uh, that was that was just incredible. Okay,
2: I have an actual game. It okay, go ahead. Yeah, I don't know why this didn't come to me immediately when you asked. Brett Favre's first game against the Green Bay Packers yes. as a member of Great the choice. Minnesota Vikings. I mean, again, I was working in Milwaukee at the time, and the way that Packers fans turned – I mean, not all of them. It was very much divided. There was the Brett Favre camp, and there was the Packers and Aaron Rodgers camp, but there was, like, vitriol for Brett Favre. We, at our radio station, uh, through what we called the barbecue, where <laughs> we uh, – <laughs> at a local bar – we had, we lit a bonfire and people could bring their Brett Favre gear to throw into the bonfire. We also had a car that had, like, I don't know, I wasn't, I wasn't there. I was the producer back in the studio, but we had a car that was like, I don't know, had like number fours painted on it or something. And people could take a sledgehammer and like beat up the car and take out their Brett Favre anger. So there was that type of, of anger for him. And as a Bears fan, a lot of, you know, that, that, that made me feel all warm and fuzzy to see Packers fans riled up and hating their Hall of Fame quarterback, and for him to stick it to him and win that game. Now, of course, this has been my life. The Packers got the best of it in the end because Aaron Rodgers got broke the next year. or Excuse me, Brett Favre got broke the next year. Aaron Rodgers wins an MVP, wins the Super Bowl, blah, 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 because that's what they do. Um, But that moment, to see Brett Favre get the best of the Packers after everything that, that those two sides went through in that divorce, and to just see Packers fans get that dagger twisted a little bit, of their Hall of Fame quarterback leaving them for the rivals, coming back and beating them. That was that was really, really enjoyable for yeah. me as a Bears fan working in Wisconsin.
1: That's a, that's a great choice, um, and Favre played so well in that game. I mean, he made the Packers both times that year at um, the Metrodome and at Lambeau Field, so either one of those. But that one particularly had the extra drama, and for a guy whose reputation was that he threw an interception at all the biggest times, which he did, he also had way more times where the pressure was completely on him, everything was on right. his shoulders, and he stepped up and played better than anyone uh, on the field that day, and that's exactly what he did in that particular game. So that's Have a great choice. Have you seen Brett lately, by the way? Yeah, um, I think that he's thinking about, you know, mom's spaghetti on his sweater already <laughs> um, because he's calm and ready to drop bombs. <laughs> what is with the blonde? What? <laughs> if you didn't I'm figure so it out, man. he looks like Eminem at, at 50. In, in, in an ad for, like, some weed balm.
2: Like, I, isn't that what it is? Isn't it some kind of cannabis balm that, uh, yeah. that, that he's, okay. All right. Whatever works for you, dude. The Focus chronic money, three, bro. I
1: guess. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um I and look, the guns are gone. Remember when he first retired and, like, yeah. we saw him a year later and he had the Santa Claus beard, but, like, Hulk Hogan guns? The yeah. guns are gone now. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with Brett Favre.
1: I know. I think he's finally sort of decided that his career is over. There was a video maybe two or three years ago of him throwing lasers. I was like, that. wait, is Brett Favre coming back? <laughs> and, so maybe, maybe that's over and he's on to his hip-hop career. So uh, <laughs> Fascinating. Uh, last question for you, Rami, for Hot Routes here is, um, give me a bizarre reason why each team could win on Sunday.
2: A bizarre reason bizarre each team reason. could win. Like uh, on I'm Sunday. leaving the
1: door very much wide open for interpretation here.
2: Hmm. All right. Um, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, goes down with an injury. This is ha- we're doing this in Minnesota, right? Packers fans aren't gonna hear this. Right. This
1: has happened before in 2000. Aaron, Rod- Aaron
2: Rodgers goes down with an injury, and it's Don Mikowski, Brett Favre, all over again. <laughs> Jordan Love comes on the field, and despite everything we've heard about how, how terrible he looked in training camp and could hardly complete a pass more than 20 yards down the field, Jordan Love comes on and starts a Hall of Fame career as the next great quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, knocking off the Minnesota Vikings in dramatic fashion. Is that random enough? It's, a, pre,
1: it's pretty random. A, yeah. okay. It's very a, random.
2: A, a yeah. bad college quarterback who they probably shouldn't have traded up yes. in the first round to get coming on and winning a game in dramatic fashion. All right. Um, for the Vikings, what's a random – see, I think the Vikings are going to win this football game. So I, it's hard for me to come up with a random, weird way for it to happen. Um. They have a history with kickers, right? They got that the history. With, that they okay. do. Let's say the Vikings try a long field goal at the end of the game to win it. Well, to, hmm, I have to make sure that I draw this scenario up right. What I want is a long field goal that doesn't quite make it to yeah. the goalpost, and the Packers try, catch it and try and return it, fumble it. Fumble. Okay, great. Vikings pick it up, take it to the house, and exercise all the kicking demons that have haunted them over the history of the Minnesota Vikings.
1: It's perfect. It's, absolutely, it's absolutely, absolutely perfect.
2: Thank you very much.
1: The, uh, the you, You're going in somewhat of a similar direction that I was going to go. For the Vikings losing the game, it would be their fifth round rookie that they drafted to be only a punt returner that has one bounce off his helmet directly into the hands of a packer who runs it in to win the game. Uh, that's, that's what I was thinking is it's got to be one of these random rookies because there's going to be a lot of, Wait, who is that guy in week 1 I think for fans and right. KJ Osborne certainly is not one of the most recognizable uh, Vikings. So I'm going to go with that for the random way that the Vikings could lose, random way that they could win. Uh quarterback injury is always an interesting one like Sean Mannion who's just gotten, you know, Vikings fans don't like him. How about this? I got this. <laughs> so on cutdown day, a lot of Vikings fans were upset that Chad Beebe got the job at, and instead of um, Alexander Hollins, which is just not a thing you should really lose any sleep Yeah, with. nobody should really care. But how about a like last-second drive, and they throw an underneath route to Chad Beebe. He breaks four tackles, takes it to the house to win the game for the Vikings. I think that would be the most bizarre and random. After everybody was so upset, why did they keep him that he ends up taking one to the house to uh, win the game for the Vikings? I think Packers
2: fans would have mixed feelings about that because – White wide receiver.
1: Right, yeah, that's right. right. Doing big things. They should play him more. (laughs) We should get that guy. And actually, uh, Chad Beebe's best play as a Minnesota Viking happened against the Packers last year, one week before he got injured. So, Anyway, uh, Rami, this was really fun to catch up and break down some Vikings and Packers. And uh, I know that we're on audio only, but your dog has made a few appearances with his snoot, and it's nice to see him as well. Oh man, there he is! There to, that guy. I might have to release the video. Release the video. Just look at him. By the some way, more. that
2: right there—I mentioned the, uh, the 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 Walter Payton portrait. This yep. right here. That's my former co-host Gary Ellison.
1: Oh, Packers, how about that? Yeah, that's hey, uh, yes, that sir. is some nice wall art that yes, you have sir. there in the yes, house. Sir. So that's
2: the uh, only Packer I would hang up on my
1: wall. Well, great to see you, and great to see uh, you, I'm, dude. I'm glad we could connect and enjoy your continued fill-in hosting in Milwaukee. It's uh, it's got to be weird. So. If
2: anybody cares to hear me next Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, the 16th, 17th, and 18th, I'll be filling in for uh, Bill Michaels midday. So uh, check it out on the Radio.com app. You know you, I have to get in my shameless plugs, Matthew Kelly. What
1: they really need is to let you host game, because that, <laughs> you know, that would be like a weird uh, Inceptions sort of situation. So, uh, All right, Rami. Well, great stuff. Great to see you again, and uh, we'll talk again soon, buddy. Thanks,
2: dude. Anytime. Hi, my name is Bobby Peters, and I've recently written a book titled The 2017 New England Patriots Pass Game Manual. If you've ever wondered what makes the New England Patriots offense, specifically their pass game, so successful over the years, this book is for you. The book breaks down in detail the schemes the Patriots use by concept. Each concept is broken down into its different variations, its statistical usage based on down and distance, and the important coaching points for how each route is run and how the quarterback reads the play. The book is available now on Amazon. Get your copy today.
1: Did somebody say playoffs? NBA and NHL are playing for the gold and our partners at BetOnline have you covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into the fall. There's no shortage of ways to bet on hundreds of odds, futures, and props there. So take advantage of the return to sports. And remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day, all night. Go to BetOnline.ag. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.